0: Paul kept saying this phrase as it is written, as it is written, a phrase that for people of the book uh, is a significant, a crucial phrase because this phrase settles the issue for us. If we see it written in scripture, it settles the issue. And so Paul has been telling us that all people, every single one, everywhere outside of Christ, all subject to god 's wrath, all people everywhere, every single person, all under the power of sin, that there's no one righteous, not even one, so you know that uh, the thing they do now with uh, c g in some movies, you know the pop, the sign will pop up uh, above someone 's head, and then you might be, okay, this is an AIA you know, customer. And then the, the sign, the person moves, the sign will move with them. Okay, you, you know what I'm talking about? That thing, right? Yeah, okay. So, what would happen if uh, during Chinese New Year, when we meet our family and friends, instead of the sign that pops up on their heads, in our minds, is, okay, this is the auntie that gossips, or, or this is the rich cousin, or this is the uncle that still owes me money. You know, instead of that sign, what pops up is, if they are outside of Christ the sign that pops up is subject to God's wrath and then pointing down on that person. Under sin and then pointing down on the person. Unrighteous and pointing down on that person. See, we must put the Bible's verdict far above whatever way we see and evaluate people. And so if we do that, then we are reminded of our responsibility to tell people of the only way they can find and receive salvation. We have to do evangelism. So we are taking a break from uh, our series on Romans because it is Chinese New Year, you know, there wasn't Bible study. And uh, so uh, Pastor Andrew wisely planned for us to do a topical talk today. And so we are talking about evangelism. And when I mention the word evangelism... Invariably, people will feel, not so much excited, but they will feel guilty. Okay? Because they know they should do it more, and they don't. Uh, when you mention the word evangelism, people feel fear. People feel inadequate. Now, it is normal and understandable, these uh, feelings. Now, this talk is not going to directly and specifically address each of those. Uh, it's coming from a different angle. Uh, But I trust it will deal with these feelings uh, indirectly, in one way or another. So please uh, join me in asking God to help us as we think about this important subject. Father, as we come before you, as we focus on what your word has to tell us about evangelism, Father, please help us to not focus on ourselves, not to focus on our fears our weaknesses or our guilt instead lift our eyes to see you help us to see you in your glory and your majesty and your awesome wonder your grace and unfathomable mercy to us and please may it be that as we see you and know you more clearly and deeply that evangelism would be a natural outflow of the joy and wonder that we have in you but only you can do this work so please uh, for your names sake and for the glory of your son please do this in our lives we pray amen okay so um, last year the consistory embarked on reading this book ah, okay now I check out this book yes okay it's called evangelism okay. And uh, I was at a conference by the speaker and I thought I was doing well when I bought six copies. I went to the guy and said, okay, I want six copies because each one of our leaders, we're going to get one and we're going to read it together. And then he told me, oh, that's very good. But at my church, each member got one, 300 over people. So I was like, okay, humbled by that. Okay, so we're not, we're not going to make each one of you buy one. There are five copies behind Okay. If you buy them yourself from SKS, it will cost $22, uh, but we are selling it to you at $15. Okay. So, so this is a, a really important book, and the author is Max Stiles. And something about Max Stiles, I was told about him, is he was at a conference with a few other speakers. And what the speakers would normally be doing when it's not their time to speak is they would be gathered together, and they would be talking and catching up with each other. But Mac would not be with them. In fact, Mac was nowhere to be found. Only later on it was discovered that Mac was always somewhere at the facility talking to the people who were working behind the scenes, telling them about Jesus. You see, so this is a guy who is not just writing, but what he's writing, what he's teaching us, what he's telling us is from a lifetime of living out. That, that joy and overflow that flows out in telling other people about Jesus. Okay, so this is the book. And uh, today's sermon, and there's another one coming up uh, next month, is based on the book. Okay, so some of the stories, obviously, is from him. Where I got my own, I tell my own stories. Okay, so it's based on the book. Okay, so the first thing is to be clear what we mean by okay, get off, by evangelism. Uh, when we think about evangelism, we can think about you know the sharing of our testimony. Uh, maybe we picture evangelism as a famous apologist. Okay, there were a few in town last year: Ravi Zacharias, John Lennox. I mean, famous apologists talking about okay, creation, evolution, or is the Bible true? Things like that. Or we could think about evangelism as a big, well-executed Christmas musical. Now, the thing is, in uh, all these three things, testimony, apologetics, and a musical, not necessarily would evangelism have taken place. Okay? I mean, you can have all these three things, you know, but not necessarily would evangelism have taken place. Okay, so the definition, uh, evangelism, is that evangelism is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. See, it's it's a. I mean, you're not. It's not rocket science, right? It is simple definition. Evangelism is teaching the gospel. It means it has to be done with words. You cannot just evangelize through your actions and not say anything. That's not evangelism. That may be commending Christ, commending the gospel, but evangelism has to be done with words, teaching, and not just teaching. You know, anything that's found in the Bible, but teaching the specific life-giving. Message of the gospel about what God has done in His Son by His death and resurrection. And it's not just teaching it, you know, just getting the information out and running away. But there's an aim, there's a desire, there's a yearning that the person should understand and be persuaded, be convicted to accept it for himself. So that is evangelism. That's what we're talking about. So the next question you can see in your outline is then how? How to do evangelism? I mean, like, let me just ask you, how how should we do evangelism? When someone asks you that, what comes to your mind? Now, invariably, again, the thing that comes to most Christians' mind is thinking in terms of an activity or a program. You know, something that we organize or you know, we do door knocking, or we, you know, collect clothes and you know, give give to the needy. I mean, we are always thinking about some program, some activity. But let's uh, pause and think about how the Lord Jesus puts it, what He teaches us about how. So we read together in the scripture reading, John 17, and you see there in verse 20. Jesus is praying. He's talking to his heavenly father and this is his prayer for his his disciples. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, see, he's praying that everyone who comes after these disciples, all of the disciples, every believer, generation to generation, that they may be one, they may be united with him, with the Father, so that the world, the non-believing world, can see that God has sent Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, a little earlier. In the same farewell discourse in uh, chapter 13, Jesus teaches in verse 35, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So through our love for one another, through our love for one another in the church, the world sees that we are genuine disciples. So you, you put it together. Ah, it's already there. Okay, yes. Uh, our love for one another in the church confirms confirms to the watching world our genuine discipleship. And our unity as the church confirms the deity of Christ now this means that a healthy biblical local church okay a healthy biblical local church is the best it is the chosen method of doing evangelism okay the church because of what jesus has just taught us in our love for one another in our unity it shows the watching world these realities Therefore, the church is the chosen, it is the best method of doing evangelism. Now, I know even as I say that, you are still thinking activities and programs, okay, that the church should organize. Now, you see programs are not wrong, activities are not wrong, uh, but that is not the focus, that is not the primary way. Okay, think about it this way, in a healthy that is made up of genuine disciples, made up of disciples who are united and united in wanting to obey and to follow what the Lord Jesus has told them to do, namely evangelism, right? Making disciples of all nations, going out into the world with the gospel. And so, a healthy biblical church that's united around this, what you will find. In that church, there may be programs, there may be activities, but what you will find is a culture of evangelism. Okay? In that church made up of genuine disciples united around the Great Commission, high on their list is obeying Jesus to do evangelism. In that church, there will be a culture. A culture of evangelism. What, what is a culture of evangelism? I mean, culture culture is one of those things that uh, you know either you know it or you don't know it, it's very hard to define it's very hard to explain to someone who has not been in that culture what that culture looks like and what to do in that culture. I mean, culture is something that we, we, we know and we sense intuitively and so uh, Mac says that as he travels the world, as he talks to missionaries, church planters, he says "Hey, don't you long for a culture of evangelism in the church. And he says intuitively, those church planters, those missionaries, they know, they know what he's talking about. I I know what he's talking about. Okay, so he's helpfully telling us culture, of course, has to do with shared ideas, a shared language, a shared understanding of how to act. Okay, it is hard to define, but what he's done in the book, he's given us 10 points, 10 characteristics, 10 traits of a church that has a healthy culture of evangelism. Okay, So we're going to talk about four of them now, and then the rest we'll talk about in the subsequent talk. So the first culture okay, is a culture motivated by love for Jesus and his gospel. Okay, a culture motivated by love for Jesus and his gospel. So in a healthy biblical church, genuine disciples united around obeying Jesus Christ, you have this culture where the motivation is love for Jesus, love for his gospel. And we read in the responses Reading 2 Corinthians 5, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, for too many of us, right, why is it when we talk about evangelism, there's a feeling of guilt? Uh, it is because in our hearts, the primary motivation for doing evangelism, is because we know we should. We know we should. I mean, if you are a Christian for any number of years, you know it's been talked about that this is your responsibility. This is what you should do if you really love the Lord Jesus. our Our motivation is, I should. And because I know I should and I don't do it, I feel guilty. But if, if our... Only, or if our primary motivation is that I should, then there is something really deficient about our understanding of God, of what is done for us in the Son. There is a deficiency in our understanding of the gospel. If 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 our primary motivation is should, because you see, Christianity is not a should religion now i I like the story that uh, Tim Keller told. There was a young man in his church that, uh, for many years you know grew up in in a, another church, and in that church, the gospel was not really taught, but that church was dedicated to evangelism, and there was great pressure on the young people to you know, fulfill the responsibility of doing evangelism. So that the young man grew up in such a church, you know, a legalistic church where there was no gospel, but there was great pressure, you know, okay, you know, you need to tell the lost, you need to save the lost, you know, the, the lost need to hear. And so there was, you know, always being forced and compelled to tell the gospel to the, to the others. Then after a while, he left that church and came to Tim Keller's church, you know, Redeemer Presbyterian in New York. And there, he heard the gospel. And so, you know, God began to do a work. For the first time, he began to hear and began to understand the gospel. And so this young man came to Tim Keller's office, wanted to talk to him. He said, I know I should do evangelism, but I'm really fearful. I, 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 oftentimes, I, I don't want to do it. And so Tim Keller said, well... Evangelism is an important part of the Christian life. But if if you really can't, you really are so fearful, then you know you need to understand that no matter what, because of Christ, God loves you. And so the young man left. And then one week later, one of the deacons came in and looked for Tim and said, Hey, what did you say to that man? And then Tim was like, what, 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 what? He is telling everyone the gospel. See, what has happened? Because he has begun to understand the true message of what God has done. He has begun to understand that Christianity is not a should religion, that God does not accept me because I do this and because I've done this well. He now accepts me. No, he accepts me because of the Christ, the precious blood shed on the cross. And so this completely transformed him and out of joy, overflowing, he is unstoppable now in telling people the gospel. So, a culture of evangelism is one where we are motivated by love for Jesus and his gospel. So can you imagine, it's not just individually, one person doing that, but we belong in a community, Where all of us, many of us, the reason why we do it is not out of guilt, out of obligation, but because we know Christ's love and that love compels us. It is a beautiful thing. Okay, the second trait of this culture is that it is a culture that is confident in the gospel. Culture confident in the gospel. We learn in Romans, Paul says, chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Not ashamed, because it is a power, there's a confidence in the gospel. So, Max Styles was telling us about a conversation that he had, and his friend said, I wonder at what point they lost confidence in the gospel. And he was talking about a ministry, an organization that was once well-known for its vibrant witness of the gospel, but has now become lukewarm. See, So the friend was wondering, at what point did this ministry, this organization, when did they start trusting more in gimmicks, When did they start trusting more in worldly methods than trusting and being confident in the plain message of the gospel? You see, Paul is not ashamed because he sees in this message plain, you know, uh, people are offended by it. But in this message, if it is faithfully proclaimed, God works powerfully. And working powerfully, he is able to transfer someone who is in the dominion of death and transfer that person salvation, bring him salvation, and bring him into the kingdom of the Son. The gospel is the power of God. So, in a culture of evangelism, as we build one another up, as we remind one another not to give in, because the world is. Pressuring us. The world is always in a subtle way or in blatant ways saying, hey, what you're teaching, what you're on about is no longer relevant. I mean, no one no one wants to hear this now. I mean, this is... See, all this pressure, the world is always tempting us to be ashamed of the gospel. But in a culture of evangelism, we remind ourselves that the true power lies in the plain message of the gospel. The third point, in the culture of evangelism, is a culture that understands the danger of entertainment. So the second point put it positively, being confident. The third point puts it negatively, right? We understand the danger of entertainment. So John 3 verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm not sure whether I've told anyone this, but when I was in uh, Secondary 2, uh, uh, not a Christian, I only became a Christian when I was 18. So in sec 2, I had I, 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 no idea about church, no idea about Christianity, but there were some people at school bus stop handing out leaflets for a hot dog party. Okay, And uh, it's all you can eat hot dogs for $1. I mean, this is back in the I mean, when I was in SEC 2, that was like, okay, you know, more than more than two decades ago. Back then, one dollar, all you can eat, hot dog. Okay, so, I mean, a few of our friends, we went, we went for it. It was located at, uh, you know, this this house near our school. And, you know, they played games and, uh, I mean, they were impressed with how many hot dogs I could stuff in my mouth. I mean, we were transferring hot dogs, one pile of hot dogs from here to another. You know, I I had a blast with my friends. You know obviously you know that uh, you know, mindless games is, is my thing. Um, even back then, right? Yeah, even back then. Now later on, then I realized that this was an event organized by a church. But in that whole time that I was there playing games, talking with them, eating hot dogs, I heard zero about Jesus, zero about the gospel. I was greatly entertained, me and my friends. We had a blast. But we heard zero about Jesus. You see, someone has wisely said, what you win people with, it is what you win them to. What you win people with, is what you win them to. Now, A.W. Tozer, writing back in 1955, wrote prophetically. For centuries, the church stood solidly against every form of worldly entertainment, recognizing it for what it was, that it was a device for wasting time, it was a refuge from the disturbing voice of conscience, it was a way to divert attention from moral accountability. And for taking this stand, the church got abused, it got ridiculed by the people of the world. But lately, the church has become tired of the abuses and has given over the struggle. She appears to have decided that if she can't conquer the great God entertainment, she may as well join forces with him and make what use she can of his powers. This is writing back in 1955. I mean, I'm sure even he cannot imagine now what some churches do for entertainment. People coming down with wires, you know, animals on the stage, you know, smoke, and then light effects, and and hiring secular singers coming in. I mean, the amount of money that is poured in to entertain, to draw people in. What you win them with is what you win them to. So a church church, that has a culture of evangelism, is very sensitive to the dangers of entertainment. It is subtle, and we are always reminding one another, don't cross that line, don't be tempted to put confidence in that, to draw people in. But our confidence being in the gospel. Because fleshly methods, fleshly techniques, can only give birth to flesh. Only spirit gives birth to spirit and the spirit works through the faithful proclamation of the gospel. So we give ourselves to the gospel and we give ourselves to prayer, not to entertainment. And lastly for today, the fourth thread. It is a culture that sees people clearly. A culture that sees people clearly. We saw in... uh, 2 Corinthians five verse sixteen Paul says so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, but that is what we tend to do right we are all looking at everyone evaluating them through some you know races or sexes or superficial uh, having that superficial view of people. I remember when uh, I first met Aaron. Okay, one of the students that uh, was brought uh, to our campus group. And Aaron does not look like your typical student. Okay, Aaron is Chinese, but you could never tell that from first looking at him. Okay? He, he has really dark skinned, and he has a lot of facial hair, and his hair is tied in a ponytail, and he dresses differently. And, I mean, and my first reaction was like, I, where is this guy from? I, I You know, my, my, my student brought him, but, you know, is he a gangster or what? And I there was, there was uh, hesitancy for me to talk to him because I had viewed Aaron. Because Aaron was different from how I dressed, different from how I looked. Uh, but thankfully, I did talk with Aaron, and Aaron turned out to be uh, actually a very nice guy who has a heart for missions. Christian guy, heart for missions. And he's the sort of person that would survive in India, in Nepal. And uh, I mean, I don't want to embarrass Tim, but Tim is here with uh, Becky, and you would never know it, but Becky is actually Simpson's niece. I mean, either you know it or you don't, but by just looking at Becky, you would not guess, right, that Becky is actually um, Simpson's niece. And obviously, Tim, tim not to embarrass him but Tim looks different from every one of us. And it is very easy in a church that does not have a culture of evangelism to be very afraid to talk to Tim, because Tim looks so different. Tim is from totally different culture. But actually, if you talk to Tim, uh, you will realize that Tim can speak Chinese. Okay, so Tim, Tim, say a few words of Chinese. Come on, man. Come on, brother. Say a few words of Chinese. Yes. You see, in a culture of evangelism, we must remind ourselves, remind each other, not to see, not to view people through the eyes of the world. Because we have come to now know Christ, we must see every single person through the eyes of Christ. We must see people as being made in the image of God. We must see people as people who have real hurts, real needs, real struggles, real loves. And we must also be reminded that above their heads, is this sign if they're outside of Christ subject to God's wrath under sin unrighteous but most importantly in a culture of evangelism we must remind one another to be mindful of what God can do that that person can be transformed can be renewed can be restored to God now i know all this you know can sound a bit abstract So, uh, Mac has a story in this book that, simple illustration, simple story, simple example of what this means practically. And so there was this uh, lady called Abigail, and she was traveling on the bus, coming back home uh, from a a long trip uh, after a funeral. But sitting next to her was a girl that has just touched down in America. She's spending her first few hours in America and she's from China. And so, Abigail, even uh, tired as she was, could sense a divine given opportunity uh, when when there was one. And so, she started talking with the Chinese girl, and the Chinese girl's name was Van. And uh, Abigail took the opportunity to invite Van, saying, Hey, you know, you've just come to America. Have you ever been to a Christian wedding? And uh, Van obviously had not, but Van was interested to you know see more of America, see what a Christian wedding looks like, and so they exchanged emails and uh, you know promised to get in touch. You see, what Abigail was part of is that she was part of a healthy church that had a culture of evangelism. Right? She did not need to call the pastor and say, "Hey, there's this person, you know, can we organize um, English classes? Can we do this? Can we do this?" No she trusted in the church having a culture of evangelism. That even in that wedding, she was confident that the pastor would preach the gospel. She was confident that the things that surrounded the wedding ceremony would point the true bridegroom. And indeed, when the day came, she invited Van. Van heard, Van saw, Van heard the witness of that couple because it was a healthy culture of evangelism. And as Abigail talked more with Van, you know, how, how, what do you think about the wedding? You know, how is it different from, you know, weddings in China? And there was, there was an interest in Van. And so Abigail said, hey, would you like to read the Bible? And because this church had a healthy culture of evangelism, there were Bibles available, and there were Bibles in different languages. And so uh, Abigail could get a Bible, they had English, Chinese, and pass it to Van. And over the next few weeks, Abigail would you know, read the Bible with Van until Van had to depart for another city to begin her undergraduate, city, uh, undergraduate studies in Boston. But Abigail did not stop there because Abigail had a friend in Boston. And so Abigail called that friend and said, Hey, you know, I got this Chinese friend coming over. Can you continue to read the Bible with her? Now, in the book, if you buy it, you will see that Mac says, um, and that is happening even as we speak. Okay, So as he's writing this, uh, Van is already in Boston, and a friend has met up, and they are reading the Bible. Now, when I met with Mac sometime last year, Mac had the great joy in telling me, Van has become a Christian. See, there was no big program, no big event, it was just... A committed, obedient, you know, joy overflowing Christian that saw over this person's head. Not someone different from my culture, I don't know what she comes where she comes from, how can we but she saw over her head. This person was under God's wrath. And because she belonged in a healthy culture of evangelism, she trusted in the gospel to be proclaimed in, in that event that she invited them to. I hope this stirs up the beginnings of each one of us yearning. Yearning that this church that we belong to, this church that we are members of, that this church would begin to have a culture of evangelism. I hope you long to see that people here motivated by love, that you long to see people here confident in the gospel, you long to see people wary of the dangers of entertainment, that you long to see people here who understand and evaluate people clearly. So something you can do as you go out, every single person that you meet, if they're outside of Christ, please imagine in your head that sign over their heads under God's wrath. This person is under God's wrath. This person is under the power of sin. This person is unrighteous. But also bear in your heart the great possibility that because of what God has done, that sign can change. It can change to new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That sign can change to daughter of God. That sign can change to son of God. I hope you yearn to start and be part of a culture of evangelism. May God help us. Amen.